This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Man, the temperature is getting a little hot in here. I don't want more in a sweatshirt, but, you know, I'll say this. Me and Justin Lacey, we about to cook tonight. Hello, everybody. Chase Johnson, to the Cut the Chase Bengals Blitz. Uh, you know, got my good friend from Running Through the Jungle, Justin Lacey, on the show. Justin, what's going on with you? Man, we doing good, man. Yeah, we got our chef's hat going on here. I mean, <laughs> not literally, but figuratively. But, yes, we ready to cook up some stuff tonight. I feel like that we didn't get a chance to do enough of this cooking after last week's win over the 49ers. But we did say if the Bengals beat the Bills on Sunday Night Football, are we coming? So we here right now. There you go. If you guys want to watch us cook, then, you know, Go on ahead and like this video, subscribe to us on YouTube, share, do all the clicks and everything. If you guys want to hear the sizzling, the cracking, the popping and everything from us cooking, you guys can go on ahead and make this a favorite on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. Again, I say this, there's so many places to get podcasts and why not? Favorite this one is one of your favorite Bengals podcasts. We appreciate all the love and support. Go on ahead and, you know, give it to us here at Cut the Chase. Go on ahead and give it to the Run Through the Jungle Man. We're doing our thing. We're grinding. And we about to get cooking now. Looking at the Bengals midseason, we're going to do a little midseason review. We've come to that standpoint where, you know, in in modern football now, it's an 18-week season. And we're – we're actually dead in the middle because week nine's over week 10 about to start on Thursday and it's Tuesday night going to be Wednesday morning for audio people. We are literally in the halfway point of the regular season, cutting a cake right down the middle five and three to start good way. 
good way for the Cincinnati Bengals. Going forward, we'd like less than three losses in that standpoint, which means we'll make the playoffs, maybe win the division. Now, Justin, um, what is, you know, what's been the synopsis for you over the, you know, the first eight games of the season, first nine weeks of the season? Because we've seen a tale of two cities or a tale of two teams when it comes to Cincinnati Bengals compared to the first quarter and second quarter of the season. You had us in the first half, not going to lie, but you know, um, what, what is your synopsis going forward? And what, what was your synopsis of the first half of the season is what I got to say. No, um, it definitely has been a tale of two teams uh, to start this first half of the season. Obviously the Joe Burrow calf injury was the main storyline that really surfaced itself since August, early August in training camp up until basically week four. And we had a dead in the water period where we were just not high on this team. They weren't playing good football offensively, defensively. They were trying to keep themselves in the game, but you know, they ran out of gas very early on the rookie struggles and stuff like that with, well, I won't say rookie struggles, the young defensive struggles when it came to this team trying to keep this porous offensive float. But then you saw them literally turn a corner against the um, the Arizona Cardinals, and that's really what changed it. Burrow started playing like himself. So basically, Burrow's health was the overall main synopsis of this season, that when Burrow was not 100%, we played like garbage. When Burrow is feeling 100% or even close to it, we play excellent football. And that literally just showed itself on film. And that's why he is literally the valuable person on this team, the most valuable person on this team. So, yeah, that's basically the rundown and the summary of how you would define the 2023 Cincinnati Bengals so far. Um, five and three record doesn't scream dominant at all. But because if you really were to tell Bengals fans, hey, you're going to um, start off the first eight game five and three. We'll probably be like, OK, I'll take it. But the expectations coming into the season was we're going to go to the Super Bowl. It's time to make our Super Bowl win run to go and win the damn thing. So we were thinking six and two, seven and one, but best eight and oh. But it didn't happen that way. And quite frankly, it's an any given Sunday kind of league. And you still pulled out five wins with the adversity that you face. I'm OK with it, especially where this team is headed. So that's that's the summary of what I see the first half of the season for. Basically, Burroughs health is basically depending on, you know, it determines the team's health in a way. And it determines a lot of Bengals fans mental health when they're watching these games, because, you know, I, I'm 20 years old. But it makes me want to drink a couple of beers watching the Bengals when they was losing those games <laughs> and everything. But, you know, nowadays, you know, they've been looking pretty good. Um what I've kind of taken it, you know, a little bit of not a different direction, but, you know, Justin pretty much summarized it really, really well when it comes to it's Burrow. It's, you know, the heartbeat of the team is Joe Burrow. Um, I took a little bit of a, you know, a different approach and to back those numbers up for Joe Burrow since uh, I believe since the, um, you know, since since this bye week, we'll talk about something else later. Since this bye week, Joe Burrow's completed 77 percent of his passes in the last two games, 316 yards passing in the last two games on average, averaging nearly three touchdowns a game, and then has had no picks. You know, knock on wood for that, but he's done a very good job. Um, Crazy. The other couple things that I've wanted to point out, this is just specifically stuff after the bye week, um, because this feels like a new season right now. It, it really does. I know it's only been two games since the bye week's over, but it, it's felt like a new season. Now, offensive movements. I think the scheme, the offense is 
they were talking about we're going to do some different things with a healthy Joe Burrow. They're talking about that in the offseason. They're like, this offense is going to look a little bit different in a way. I think a lot of pre-snap stuff. They've, they've done a lot of pre-snap motion. They've, you know, some of some of the scheme when it comes to just, you know, just when it comes to pre-snap motion, there's been a lot of motions, not across the formation, but a lot of motions to the boundary. And it really, get, you know, it really opens up a defense in, so, you know, when you use pre-snap motion, it's to see if, it's, if if a team's in man or zone. It's to get guys moving and it's to get, you know, put some fear in them, especially when Jamar Chase is in motion. But it's to get guys in motion to see if they're going to, if the defense is going to be a man or if it's going to be in zone. If a guy follows, it's probably going to be a man. If a guy stays, it's probably going to end up being zone. So that's a big thing about pre-snap motion. But they've been doing that with a lot of their guys. It's not just one guy that's in motion. They've sent a plethora of guys in motion. They've sent Chase. They've sent... T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Tanner Hudson, Irv Smith, uh, Trenton Irwin. They, they've sent a ton of guys in motion. They just keep the defense on their toes, and it's worked out really well the last couple of games. Um, and, you know, the Bengals have made big-time plays in the spots where you need them to make big-time plays. We were looking for the knockout punch on Sunday night against Buffalo. They didn't get that. We got three off that drive. I understand that. But when you're looking back, you know, two-minute drill in the second half. The Bengals did a really good job. They, 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 they checked it down, but Drew Sample made a big-time play and got us a touchdown with two minutes to go in the first half. They can get a two-score you know, two lead. Now, speaking of tight ends, this, is, you know, this might be recency bias, but involvement. The tight ends got involved this past game. They got involved even in, in, in the game against the Niners. Yoshi. Yoshi has like four catches this year, but Yoshi has two touchdowns. Those two touchdowns have been huge. They've been awesome. You know, it, it's been oh, a yeah. lot of, yeah, it's been a lot of comebacks. It's been a lot of, you know, stuff to the sideline and stuff like that. But those two touchdowns, I mean, 23 yards, he has two touchdowns. They've, they've paid dividends. It's just distribution. The distribution has been insane. And then since the bye week, T. Higgins, a reemergence, because T. Higgins is averaging around 90 yards a game in the last two games, five for 69 against the 49ers. He had a really quiet one because Jamar Chase had 10 for 100, and Tyler Boyd scored a touchdown. And then eight for one town Sunday night. And he very well could have scored two touchdowns. So he's had a reemergence. And then a big thing about this, the Bengals run defense in the first six games of the season, really the first five games of the season was not good. The Seahawks really good run offense. The Se- they held the Seahawks to under 85 yards rushing. The last two games against a Bills team that's, that's ran the ball for 115 yards a game and a Niners team that prides himself off Christian McCaffrey and their offensive line, especially in run blocking, that team averages around 140 yards rushing a game. The last two games against two of those very good rush offenses, the Bengals have given up only 90 and a half rushing yards a game. That's a big stat. Teams have ran the ball, the Bills and Niners, who have been proclaimed to be two of the best teams in football. You know, I don't still, I don't know why they still keep riding the Bills in that regard. It's, it's, it, it's, Ridiculous now. Justin hinted that on the show uh, uh, last week, and, you know, he's been right to this point. Uh, But the thing is, you know, 20 attempts, 90 yards, you know, a lot of that's come off of quarterback runs. The Bengals have shut down running backs. You know, Brock Purdy ran for 60-something yards on us. Josh Allen ran for 40. If you're going to make your quarterback – be the one that has to make the plays and you're going to make literally make him win the game with his legs and his arm. It's overwhelming. And the Bengals have done that the last couple of weeks. They've done a really good job of it. And that's been a big key to their success.
And when it comes to quarterbacks, good way to segue into our top 10 quarterbacks at the moment. Um, Justin, you know, since you're a guest, you know, guest teams get to, you know, flip the coin and everything and get to see if they want to take the ball, if they want to defer. I'm going to give you the coin. You're going to flip it. You're going to go on ahead and just get the ball to begin with. So I want to hear your top 10 quarterbacks list, actually. Um, you know, section it off however way you want it to, whichever way you want. Um, you know, the floor is yours. No, thank you. Thank you. Um, so when it comes to the top 10 quarterback list, I kind of have a section off between your top five, the unquestioned top five that everybody loves making. And then you have your bottom five of this top 10 list, your six to 10. This list kind of becomes a little bit more fluid and more of a longer and deeper conversations. Why you might be fighting for this guy or why this guy's ranked so low, why this guy's ranked too high. You know, um, so I'll start off with my top five for now. Yeah. I don't think we're going to get a lot of argument here uh, for most people. And it is in a very specific order is Mahomes, Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, and Josh Allen now rounds out, rounds out my top five. Now, for those that actually listened to the Cut to the Chase podcast last week, um, I did have Josh Allen originally at number three. He was the third best quarterback, unquestioned top three, after Burrow and Mahomes at two and one. And I've kind of had to recalibrate. What I'm seeing from this Bills team and what I'm seeing from Josh Allen is not Super Bowl caliber moving forward. I do respect his resume. Now, my top five and my top, well, my whole ten, top 10 list as a whole, 50% of it is your overall body of work. But the other 50% of it is what you are currently doing now this season. And what I'm seeing from Josh Allen, even though the stats may look the same like in recent years, the film does not show that it's the same like in recent years. Last year, I thought about this too about Josh Allen, even though his numbers were great. And he did beat teams like the Kansas City Chiefs. And, you know, they they had that hot running start to start the season off last year. But this year is they they've lost games against teams that they should have demolished. And they've they've let games against the Giants and the Buccaneers. I still can't get that out of my head. Mm -hmm. You know, that they just let those teams hung around and both of those teams could have beaten him, too. And it really just starts because Josh Allen is a turnover machine most of the time. Now, he hasn't been as bad as he was last year, but it's still not very good. He still I said this last year, last week and I'm saying it now. He still comes off with this very kamikaze like approach to his game, whereas he don't know if he wants to play hero ball or stay within the structure of the offense. That's what I mean. And when you play him long enough. And you see his tendency start to develop, then that's when you can go attack him. And Lou Anarumo did that this past Sunday night. And the other argument I, we're going to probably get is why is Lamar Jackson raked so high at number three? Listen, man, I gotta stop. I gotta stop paying attention to Lamar haters. I get it, man. Lamar Jackson is not your traditional quarterback, you know, that just a pure drop back passer. Actually, he can win games when he's just drop back pass. And so let's kind of debunk he, that narrative right now. He has. Like he yeah. has he has done it. He's Recently. not like how he was in, in his you know his first year in the league, or even if it's MVP season when all he was doing was running. This dude has naturally matured into a quarterback that can kill you with his arm. As a Bengals fan, we know this. We just saw it in week two, not that long ago, and we're going to see it on next Thursday night. So 
And I like Lamar's resume that he's put together in this short window of time, too. And he's playing great football. He is one of those guys that you have to insert in those MVP conversations right now based off of how the Ravens are playing. And I give all credit to Lamar in that. And if he continues to play like the way he's been playing, does happen to win MVP, and let's say he does win a Super Bowl, which could happen with this Ravens team and how they're currently playing and constructed, Lamar Jackson will probably leak Frog Burrow. And I know that's not a popular thing that most Bengal fans, including myself, want to hear, but it's given Lamar Jackson his just due. He's already won a unanimous MVP in 2019. Then you follow that up with he finally wins a playoff game in 2020, obviously. And then he just had some injury riddles a couple of the last couple of seasons. You can probably throw that up to contract talks or whatnot. But nonetheless, I, I, I'm not disrespecting Lamar. And I'm really tired of people moving the goalpost on him, too. So, you know, I'm, he sits at number three for me because Burrow and Mahomes are the unquestioned top two quarterbacks in this game. What they've put out, what they've showed up and done. Jackson, I have to see him do it at the highest level before he can enter that conversation. I get it. You got your MVP, but it's not right there for me. So that's my top five. Jalen Hurts is at number four, but he had I had to see it first. Of Can they repeat their success? And look, Eagles are the best record in the, uh, in the whole entire NFL. Yeah. And I like the way how he's playing. He's the leader of the team. Now, it may not look as dominant as it did last year. But I believe that the Eagles will be fine. They'll round out to form. They keep finding ways to win, and Jalen Hurst is a part of that. Yeah. Now, let me let me, just, let me say ahead, this real ahead. quick, all right? Ladies and gentlemen, Justin Lace just cooked dinner right there, all right? But I'm going to say this. We have the same exact top five. We do. And basically the same exact reasons. Let me just add this to the Lamar portion. Lamar Jackson is on the field. He wins about 77% of the time. That's insane. That's insane to do. You know, he hasn't lost like he's played in the league for six years. This is a sixth season in the league. He has not lost double digit home games yet. He's lost nine home games in five and a half years as a starter. Like as much as the Lamar slander, it's funny, you know, with the running back memes and all of that stuff. It, it's funny. You know, it was, but he's a he, he's a great quarterback, you know? Yeah. So Lamar Jackson, he he doesn't lose at home and he doesn't lose period when he's on the field. It's really tough for them to lose games when Lamar Jackson is playing quarterback at a very high level for the Baltimore Ravens. So we have the same top five. Justin, continue. I do want to summarize my top five before we enter in, in a real conversationalist part oh, by, making real. This, these, <laughs> by making these three statements regarding Lamar, Burrow, and Mahomes. Go on ahead. Lamar is the most electrifying player in this game. Yes. I think we can agree with that, all of us. He's more electrifying than Mahomes, Burrow, Hurts, Allen, no matter who you name it. But it's, it's the same way how we thought about Michael Vick in his prime. He was the most electrifying player at the position. He was so dominant with his legs. He had a cannon of an arm. He, Michael Vick was a lefty and Lamar is a righty. But, dude, the arm strength just pops out on the field, too. Like, he is that electrifying. And he's so fun to watch, even though he plays for a division rival. Yeah, he's a creative player Joe, Madden. He's a creative player in Madden. That's what Lamar Jackson is. He certainly is. And quite frankly, I would not be surprised if in Baltimore later on down the road, let's say that his career source comes on the back nine, that they have like how they did with the Michael Vick experience. They can have the Lamar Jackson experience in downtown Baltimore or by the bank or something. Because well that's literally what you get. <laughs> that could probably be a thing. Um, but he's the most electrifying player in the game in my eyes and a lot of people's eyes. And I think that nobody will question that. Joe Burrow is the most well-rounded quarterback 
in today's NFL. He is electrifying in terms of his athletic abilities, but when it comes to the mental processing, when it comes to reading defenses, when it comes to just playing, being surgical, uh, elevating your team, he is that guy that's the best in the game over everybody, including Mahomes. Mahomes can do all that stuff too, but at the end of the day, I will take Burrow over Mahomes in the terms of if I want to build an overall quarterback and teach him all the great fundamental things, mental and physical capabilities, it's going to be Joe Burrow. Preach, preach, that but, preach. But Mahomes, but Mahomes is the best player in the game. Yes. I think that's fair to say. He's the best yes. overall player in the game. That just happens to play quarterback, you know, by the way. <laughs> two MVPs, two Super Bowl uh, trophies, two Super Bowl MVPs. You know, and he's going to keep getting better as he stacks up these res his resume even more. So I think that that's a fair summary to say about all three of those guys in my top three. Um, can somebody get played out of that? Absolutely. I don't think it's going to be Mahomes yet because, again, he has to have a catastrophic fall from grace to be be pulled out of the top one. Burrow and Al, I mean, sorry, Burrow and Jackson, they could, but only if. Hertz and Josh Allen propelled themselves to a level that of ascension that both Burrow and Josh, I'm sorry, I keep wanting to say Josh Allen, that yeah. both Burrow and Lamar Jackson haven't done. And that's win a Super Bowl at this point. For Jalen Hurts, maybe an MVP, you can probably catapult him to number two. But I don't think Jalen Hurts is a favor or front runner to rent MVP at all this year. His, his, his stats don't really feel like that's the case. And Josh Allen, we already just talked about it. So they could play themselves out of the top three, but I don't see it happening. Maybe they'll interchange once, once with each other and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, those, those, that's my top five, you know? So, yeah, but now we are ready to get into a bigger conversation. Love it. Love it. We got to finish it. out. We got to finish out this top six, this top 10 list. Mm -hmm. So I know you and I've talked uh, off air before we jump, jumped on. We're going to have a little bit of differences, but it's understandably difference. It's understandable differences. This list is fluid from the bottom on down. Like from six to ten, the list is fluid. In the words of the great Stephen A, the list is fluid. <laughs> Anybody that watches first taken with him and Shannon Sharp, and he comes up with his top five list, he yeah. always says and just quotes with the arm hand cupping, the list is fluid. Is it fluid? That yes. it's fluid, it's fluid, and bam, bam, like all that. You know what I'm saying? So here yeah. we go. Six yeah. to ten. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'm going to just start from number six and work my way down from 10. But number six, yep. I have Trevor Lawrence. I okay. think T-Law is well on his way up into uh, up to the upper echelon of quarterbacks into the elite status. Won a playoff game um, last year, and it looks like that he's got this Jaguars team on the ropes of being even better. So he he gets my number six, and he you can tell the team is great because of him. They got great pieces, too, around them. Like, they got a number of good, solid weapons um, that I really like. Christian Kirk, Calvin Ridley, uh, Travis Etienne, Travis Etienne with the running back. Um, Tank Bisbee, I think, is a backup there. Um, then on the defense side of the ball, they have a nice young pass rush led by Jonathan Allen, who's getting nothing but sacks on sacks on sacks. Now, Trayvon Walker was the number one pick a year ago. Um, I really, and then their secondary is really young and feisty. And they remind me, we've talked about this last week. They sort of remind me of what the Bengals were last year in 2022, that you just kind of have to see it again before we can truly believe in them. That as what most national media people would say, but I believe in this Jacksonville Jaguars team and I don't really need to wait to the end of the year. 
Um, but this is why I have Trevor Lawrence at number six because of those reasons. And number seven, and then after I give my number seven, we're going to take a quick pause here because I, I need to hear your take on these two because I know this is going to be a little different for those spoiler there. Number seven, I got Tua. I like what Tua's doing this season. I know the conversation has been all week long so far is that, well, since this past Sunday, is that the Dolphins, Tua, they haven't beaten anybody over 500. But I tend to not believe in that narrative right now. I don't. I've seen him when he's playing at his best, and he is he's dangerous. And he does look feel and look a little small for his position, but I'm not about to move the goalposts for that just because of his size. It's the same thing that I stated about Lamar Jackson, about people moving the goalposts because of his running style ability first before actually throwing the ball. I'm not doing that with Tua. I don't care if he's two foot tall. If he's playing at a high level when he's healthy, dude, watch out. This The Dolphins can be dangerous. But I got to also see him win a playoff game. Well, I got to see him do well in the postseason. I'm not just saying win a playoff game. You got to do well in the postseason, which he hasn't done yet. To be fair, he also wasn't healthy last year to make a postseason run. And also, he got to start winning games against top-tier teams. This, this league is not going to get any easier for him. The, the Dolphins have supplied him with a ton of weapons, man. Like, you yeah. got Tyreek Hill on your team. You got Jalen Waddle on your team. You got Cedric Wilson on your team. Your freaking running back threat, Raheem Mostert, he's really good. On the yeah. defensive ball, they traded for Bradley Chubb and Jalen Ramsey. So you have absolutely no excuses to why you can't continue to ball out and keep balling out at a high level. You should have never lost that game in Germany against the Chiefs this past Sunday, man. You really shouldn't have. Because I think that if you would have won that game, people would have started talking about Tua in the top five category and maybe putting him above Allen for that matter because he's won that first real head-to-head matchup against Patrick Mahomes. He did play against him in 2020, but that was his rookie year, and that was an evaluation year. But yeah. I'm going to stop there, and I want to hear your takes, Jason. Well, unfortunately, to spoil our debate, you've moved me. You've moved me. Yes. You've moved me. Um, yeah, I, I think when you're looking at the quarterback position, um, you know, you want to see, you know, the impact a player has, you know, when they're on the field. You know, does it make the team better when they're on the field? When two is on the field, it makes the team better. They have a lot of great guys around them. Trevor Lawrence, off the field, it's kind of like a like a burrow effect in a way. You know, mm-hmm. who knows what they are because we haven't seen it yet. But when Trevor Lawrence on the field, they're pretty damn good. And the the fact of the matter is, to a to a ceilings might be higher than. Trevor Lawrence's ceiling, like when it comes to numbers and all that other stuff, you know, because Tua's put up some video game numbers in some in some games. Um, and then, you know, his 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 floor is lower. Trevor Lawrence's floor is higher than a lot of quarterbacks in the National Football League. His ceiling's pretty high, might not be the highest, but I think it's just the consistency model. You've moved me, Justin. The consistency model of Trevor Lawrence is more consistent, and I know more of what I'm getting with him especially in these bigger games than what it could be with Tua Tagovailoa because I, I still it. I still believe I, I I even you know the Dolphins have been really have been fantastic on offense this year 
I've just kept in my mind, they haven't started 4-0 since 95. What do they do? They go out and lose the Bills by 28. It, you know, they're 6-3 and at the moment going into the bye. It's just a lot of this stuff feels like the same type of Dolphins where it's like once teams start to figure them out, they get figured out. And it's going to get tough for Tua because teams are going to keep giving them their best shot possible. They, they, they'll, I think they'll still keep winning games because I think they're a really good football team. Right, yeah, but it, it's it's not going to get easier. So again, you've moved me. I think we'll have a different argument. You know, at I think number nine, I believe. Now, for the listeners that's listening, Chase originally had Tua at six and Lawrence at seven. So yep. just wanted to give you guys add that for context because that was what was stated. But yeah, through conversation, you can change your mindset about a lot of things. Again, this part of the list is fluid through conversational piece. But to touch a little bit more, to make it more relatable to Bengals Nation out there, to, for those that know, are not really avid Dolphins fans, watchers, or those that gives you too much of a casual viewing of Tua and the Dolphins and whatnot, I tend to view Tua and how this current Dolphins team, you remember the 2014 Bengals? Yeah. Okay. For those that don't remember the 2014 Bengals, the Bengals started off 3-0 and that year. You know, it was after the 2013 season when we lost that home game against the Chargers. We yeah. thought we were going to come off looking better that 2014 season, even yeah. though Marvin Jones, I believe he broke his foot and missed a whole year or whatnot. Yeah. Then, unfortunately, the on the Cincinnati game with New England happened. Well, they were, they were on the Cincinnati. They were on the Cincinnati. Boy, <laughs> man, we did not stand a chance that day. Nope. It just reminds me that, in you know, the upper echelon quarterbacks that we faced that season, um, Tom Brady obviously being the first big test. Again, they won the Cincinnati game, Sunday night football in Foxborough, prime time. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't show up that game. Then we faced Andrew Luck in Indianapolis. That a couple weeks later, week seven, yeah. didn't look good. We just got shut out 27 to nothing. I remember I was at that game, and boy, I had to sit through it all that whole oh. entire section with all them Colts fans oh, and, and their and Lucas Oil. Said, man, I it was it was brutal to watch. Man. Oh gosh. Um, oh. we got we got swept by the Steelers with Roethlisberger. Yeah. Um, and it, it was a great game that game the, when they came here, but then we also know about the one to end that season in 2014, the uh, ASC North Division crown. Yep. We did beat Peyton Manning, that Monday night classic where Peyton threw four interceptions, and that was such a fun game. That was more or less the Jeremy Hill game and the rest of the team just rising and winning the game for Andy Dalton. But that was a fun game. I tend to view Tua in that scheme of where – now, I'm not calling Tua like he was Andy Dalton, but I tend to put this Dolphins team and Tua into the same category as the 2014 Bengals when we were on the threshold of repeating as back-to-back AFC North champions, and we just ended up coming up just a half a game short. We also tied against Carolina and against Cam Newton that season. So they got to shape up pretty quick because, like you said, and I said, it won't get any easier for them, and then Tua would unfortunately be even further down this list. But right now, I got to give him credit. Last year he threw six touchdowns on on the road against Baltimore. I think he can do it again. So – I mean, not those six touchdowns, but I think that he yeah. can play at a high level, continue. But you got to start winning these high-level games, man. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself off this top 10 list. Indeed. Indeed. Just for time constraints, I believe our 8 and 10 are the same. I believe we have both of Justin Herbert at 8, correct? Mm-hmm. Or are you kind of just – I had Justin. I thought about it, bro. I thought about it. I had Justin <laughs> Herbert at 8, but I put him down to 9, and I put Dak Prescott – 
for all the controversy that he receives as being a Dallas Cowboy quarterback at eight. And yep. then we have Jared Goff at number 10. Okay. But, okay. Okay. See, I, I wanted you, I, I was, I was in my mind. I was like, I don't know if he's going to keep Dak at nine because I low key wanted to do this little, we got a little Texas size problem because Justin Herbert at eight, I think Jared Goff is 10. Cause I have, we'll talk about him in a minute. CJ Stroud at nine. It's, it's crazy enough, but I've never seen a quarterback walk in a league like this. I've never seen a quarterback walk in the league with a roster like this and ball out the way he's been balling out. We'll talk about CJ Stroud in a little bit, you know, after this break. But give me your thoughts on Herbert real quick because there's been a lot, you know, a lot of talk around him. Give me your thoughts on, on Justin Herbert real quick. Guy that was crowned too soon and he hasn't really put up enough numbers i mean numbers yeah but he hasn't yeah. put up enough accolades for me to even consider him a top five quarterback he's a very talented guy very physically built to, and like like he's built in the lab but we need to start having that conversation if he really does belong into the elite category of the upper echelon of quarterbacks in that top five pantheon i'm tired of seeing him on my on other people's top five list and he's not on mine i like him i'd like his talent um but I also watched that Monday night game against the Jets, and it just clearly showed, man, if Aaron Rodgers was playing that day and not Zach Wilson, the Chargers don't even make that game even close against that Jets defense, too. No. I'm just – it just now we got to start having this conversation and stop letting Herbert get off the hook and blaming it on guys like um, his head coach, Brandon Staley. It was his offensive coordinator. Oh, well, he dude, you got hella talent around you, too. All right, let's yeah. stop it, okay? Yeah. So that's why he's down further on my list. And here's a moral of this for right before we go to break. You know, if we have to start blaming other people, and, and this is, you know, I'm talking outside of the elite quarterbacks, I'd say. If we have to start blaming other people for the issues that are going on, maybe look at yourself and maybe you're the issue. Just saying. Mm -hmm. Outside of the top five or six, I, I would I would say. Uh, we're going to go to break. Uh Justin does have a golden ticket like he Willy Wonka in that chocolate factory. We'll get to it in just a sec. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, and we are back. Um, you know, we're going to talk Texans-Bengals preview in just a moment, but like I just mentioned, Justin, golden tick, golden opportunity, golden hour. Here you go. So we already know it's no secret that the Bengals are on a four-game winning streak, okay? We got these next two games coming up, and it is very critical for the element and standpoint of 
where the Bengals are going to be when it comes to the playoff positioning in the AFC. But I got to make this statement, man, because I'm hearing a lot of talk about MVPs and all this stuff when it comes to other guys. But if the Bengals handle business like they should, and this is not to overlook Houston, but if they handle business against Houston is one thing, but they go on a road and beat Baltimore too, the Cincinnati Bengals not only will should be the Super Bowl favorites in the AFC, but Joe Burrow should be the main front runner and the guy that wins the NFL MVP award. I, I'm just going to go ahead and make that statement. I understand that we still have the rest of the games to play. That we still got a game against the Chiefs. We still got back-to-back games against the Steelers and another closer against the Browns. But the game that I already know that showed me what this team was capable of was when they played the 49ers on the road in their house. And I don't care about their losing streak that they had a couple games losing streak before they saw us. When they saw us, it got worse. And that told me that the Bengals can be any gauntlet, can go through any gauntlet. They can play up to the level of any opponent and dominate any opponent. Right now, Baltimore is getting all kinds of credit from a lot of people, myself included, for how they've been playing. But they got to see Baltimore, too. I'm sorry, not Baltimore. They got to see San Francisco, too, later on down the road. And they're going to have a fully constructed defensive team. They just traded for Chase Young. Christmas we'll night. See it. And, they got, and, and, he, and that was a nice trade for them, even though I thought it was a little desperate that they made him. Yeah. But put him on the other side of Nick Bosa, bro. And you and you not you're not beating this team pretty easily. In fact, you got to go out there to Santa Clara to play them. Um, if you ask me personally, I don't like the Ravens' chances in that game, even though they've been playing very great football and they got yeah. the number one rated defense as this stands right now. But yeah, if the Bengals handle business in these um, next two games. They can't afford to lose any of these games. No, Joe Burrow should be and will be the front runner in the MVP conversation, and I believe he will win the NFL MVP. It's this NFL the the MVP award is just so wide open. No one has really got a stranglehold on it. You got Lamar Jackson as some as giving some votes right now. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes is getting some votes because of well, it's Patrick Mahomes, but who else? Tyreek Hill might get Offensive Player of the Year, maybe some MVP votes. I'll give him some. But I'm watching this Dolphins team, and if and if they fold right before our very own ass, Tyreek Hill ain't getting an MVP award, man. So Joe Burrow is kind of wide open. This is the golden opportunity for the Bengals to make it happen, and I think they do. And to back that up, to back that correct, awesome claim up, if it happens, that oh, that would be fantastic. But um, golden numbers that this man has put up after the bye week you guys this is gonna be crazy all right so after the bye week um i was looking at including the postseason everybody knows joe burrow's record in the postseason is five and two and the only two losses he's had have come in the afc championship game of 2023 and super bowl 56 in 2022 both of those games resulted in a score of 23 to 20 now here's the thing in regular season games after the bye week since 2021 for joe burrow 14 and 2 record. He does not lose after the bye, is what it's shown so far. If I had to think of wood, I'd knock on it. But 4,684 4, yards in those 16 games after the bye week. That's 293 yards per game. That is nearly 300 a game. 300 a night. Talk to him. Talk to him. 
And then to just cap this whole thing off because it's they got to play us. It's why not us? They got to play us. It is us. Like this whole thing, Joe Burrow, his touchdown and interception ratio after the bye week in the regular season since 2021, 36 touchdowns to nine interceptions. Fantastic numbers, man. And do that not sound like an MVP candidate right there with those numbers that you highlight in a 16-game season? We in 17 games now, but in the 16-game season, that's an MVP caliber person right there. It's like, I, I it's mean, insane, man. I mean, I don't know what what more needs to be put out there. I don't. There's been a guy that's really been playing really good football. As of now, we're not we're not done talking about the Bengals yet. Don't you know? Don't don't think about that yet. All right, we're not done talking about our team yet. But we're gonna talk about another team real quick. All right, a guy that's been playing really good football down there in Houston, a former Ohio State Buckeye. He did not transfer to LSU in 2019 and win a national championship. You know it. C.J. Stroud. And I'm going to say this before we get into it. I have a lot of Ohio State Buckeye friends. I'm an Ohio State fan myself, all right? The fans took C.J. Stroud for granted. They took him for granted. They really did. Talking about the running ability and everything, you know, he didn't pick that up until later on in the season, especially against Georgia in the national championship. But I'm going to tell you this. People took him for granted. And it it sickens me. It's it's, it's like, oh, C.J. won't run. C.J. won't do this. Blah, blah, blah. Like, one of the most accurate, one of the most prettiest balls you're gonna see floated through the air out of the out of the pigskin. It's Joe Burrow and CJ Stroud, though two of the prettiest footballs that we've that we've seen in the modern game right now. Yeah, and- I gotta I gotta I, I gotta comment on that too, because I'm gonna be honest with you, bro. I didn't know CJ Stroud was gonna be like that. I didn't. And I didn't I didn't expect him to be like like this, like like that right now. You know, I watched him. I watched him at Ohio State and I saw his talent, but I also saw Justin Fields talent, who I thought was better than what CJ Stroud's talent was at Ohio State. And I thought they were both immaculate players playing with that Oregon, that college football program. But damn, man, I just look at CJ Stroud and what he's doing with this Texans team. And this is not a Texans team that is fully loaded with talent all over the place, bro. Yeah. It does remind me of rookie Joe Burrow. Um, he, not as much adversity as Burrow went through in 2020, but this this Texans roster is a bunch of guys that I don't really know of. There's some familiar names that I've seen here. Like, for example, I'm looking at their offensive depth chart right now. You got Robert Woods that they have, uh, Nico Collins. Uh, John Metchie the third from Alabama, who had that I think the leukemia thing, but he came yeah. back and play. He's That's playing awesome. now. Awesome to see. It's it's an incredible story of his. Yeah. Um, I like their. They're not really getting so much push on the ground. We obviously know about Laramie Tunzel, the stellar left tackle, and yeah. they did bring George. They brought in George Fant and Shaq Mason is now there. Um, yeah. So they got. It's not a lot of names that you're super familiar with. Then on the other side of the ball, Will Anderson is the big hot name that they they ended up getting at the top five pick in, in this yeah. past draft. And that was a crazy uh, draft pick for them, too. Yeah. But Derek Stanley Jr. was the uh, the other draft pick that they had. Uh, he, I think he was the first corner taken a year ago. Yeah. You know, when Sauce Gardner was taken, 
It yep. was him too. Pick you know, four. they were supposed to be the two. They were supposed to be the pick, the big two corners that were taken in the top of the draft. And he's out for the year, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Or he's on, he's on yeah. IR. He's on IR right so, now. Yeah. So just think about the growth that those two young players make on the defense side of the ball. They're going to be the core to what makes that defense grow when they eventually started rounding in the form. There's not a ton of talent that I see on this Houston team, but man, when I saw CJ Stroud, because he put the whole NFL on notice. Oh yeah, because that Bucks and Texans game. Let's be honest here, nobody watched that game because it wasn't on anybody's local network, but yep. it got cut on because the Ravens and Seahawks game. If that's the game that was in our network, love that bonus coverage, man. Love that bonus coverage. <laughs> that bonus coverage. That was all we needed to see, oh, and yeah. that's when we saw. Now we saw CJ stat line, but then we saw him actually perform, and we were like, "Wow, this." Did, did some of his throws just looks dead on a Joe Burrow, like this shoulder yeah. pump fake and then draw, throwing it down the sideline for a touchdown. That reminds me very similar to the 49ers game in 2021. Oh, we do yeah, that I know second touchdown about. to Jamar. Yep. yep. That yep. was insane, Tie that game. Man. Tie that game. Yeah, those oh, two. Man. Those two was at the white party, actually. The uh, Michael Rubens white party, I believe, in the, in the summer. I do remember and that. I, I believe, that. I believe CJ Stroud was talking about how Joe Burrow has given him some advice and everything. You know, mm-hmm. th- these are these are this is what gunslingers look like in the National Football League. And this is what polished gunslingers look like. They're young guys. He's only in his fourth year. CJ's a rookie. These are polished gunslingers you about to see on Sunday. And yeah. I'm going to say this real quick. I'm excited that Kevin Harlan's calling the game this Sunday, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm excited for that, man. I mean, a lot of Bengals fans hey. are, you know, and, and they said in the NBA, you know, he's talking about flamethrowing stuff. These two quarterbacks have flamethrowers of arms, and I'm excited to see what's going on. But let's look at the numbers real quick. Uh, C.J. Stroud coming off a 470-yard performance and five touchdowns, game-winning touchdown to Tank Dell, uh, the rookie receiver from, actually, the University of Houston, stays home. Uh, C.J. Stroud, 284 passing yards a game, 14 touchdowns, a one interception. That's actually the highest uh, touchdown-interception ratio in the National Football League at this point. Since, like, since a guy named Tom Brady. So that's pretty good company right there. 102.9 passer rating. Um, looking at the other guys, Nico Collins had a really good season. 36 receptions for 651 yards and four touchdowns. He's averaging around 17, 18 yards a catch. You know, they have a lot of guys that are averaging up in the 16-plus yards per catch, which is very, very good. And then Tank Dell, the rookie receiver, 28 catches for 454 yards and four touchdowns. They've done a really good job. Dalton Schultz came over from Dallas. He's been a, a good security blanket for CJ Stroud. I believe he has four touchdowns on the season as well, if I'm not mistaken. Another big thing for the to Texans is this, 42% on third down offense. They have done a really good job when it comes to moving the sticks because of CJ Stroud's arm. And, you know, people would be surprised, especially from college, his playmaking ability of getting out of the pocket and trying to make plays and even run the football, to say the least. Ohio State fans right now are probably like, damn, they, why couldn't he done that last year? But here's the thing. <laughs> Another thing on, on the flip side of it, on third down defense, they're giving up 41% on third downs. So there's opportunity right there. The Bengals last year were in the upper 40% when it comes to third down offense. The Bills were third on third down offense, I believe, coming into the game on Sunday night. They were, I believe, at 49%. Um, I want to pull up this this number real quick, what the Bengals were on third down against the Buffalo Bills. The Bills coming in 49% on third down. They were 65% when it came to third and four to third and six, which is like a money down zone. When it came to third down against the Bengals, they were seven for 12. I will say that. You know, the Bengals' defense on third down hasn't been great. But, again, that was a lot of stuff later on in the game. The Texans giving up 41% on third down. 
So there are opportunities for Cincinnati Bengals to keep the offense on the field and hopefully stay ahead of the sticks and get those third and shorts. The, 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 you know, the Bengals have to disrupt the Texans earlier on in downs, you know, make things tough for CJ Stroud. Lou Anarumo's got to, you know, uh, you know, really try to confuse him a little bit as a veteran defensive coordinator versus a rookie quarterback. CJ Stroud, this is an interesting step. It's three and one in games where he throws the ball less than 30 times in a game. Three and one when he throws it less than 30. The one game they won was this past week when he threw like 50 times. But, you know, 30 times, less than 30 times, they're three and one when he throws the ball less than 30. Interesting. My matchup to watch for this game, Laramie Tunsil versus Trey Hendrickson. Trey Hendrickson was going up against Deion Dawkins, and Deion Dawkins is a big SOB, I'll tell you that. He's one of the strongest yeah. dudes in the National Football League, to say the least. Trey Hendrickson, man, to, to disrupt C.J. Stroud from the backside, this Texans offensive line hasn't done a bad job this year, but C.J. Stroud is throwing in a lot of chaos, you know, if Trey Hendrickson can get a, a free run or two, you know, against a good left tackle like Laramie Tunsil, it's going to be a tough matchup. But if Trey Hendrickson can get the best because, you know, Trey Hendrickson's going to be like, man, I I got eight sacks this year. I, you know, kind of got neutralized in the pass game because they were using a lot of tight ends and chipping them stuff like that. I don't think they're going to do that much with Dalton Schultz because Dalton Schultz is a big receiving threat at the tight end position. Uh, that's mm-hmm. also something we got to watch out for as well because Dalton Kincaid at 10 for 81. Uh, 10 for 91, I believe, on Sunday night. But, you know, we'll take that if you're shutting down Stefan Diggs for like 50, 60 yards, you know. But beyond the fact, um, you know, Trey Hendrickson, Sam Hubbard, those guys, they have a big game rushing the passer and try to make life tough for C.J. Stroud and get quarterback hits while he's throwing the football. That's going to be big. And then on offense, um, it's we don't know if Jamar Chase is going to play this Sunday. And quite honestly, I would sit him out this Sunday. Because he needs to get healthy for this Baltimore Ravens game. It's not an overlooking factor of the Texans because the Texans, you know, have been a very feisty team. They've overperformed to this point. But the Bengals offense is good enough without Jamar Chase on the field. They can they can ball. They can do it a different way. It might have to, you know, lean on a little bit more Joe Mixon and stuff like that. But Joe Burrow can slice and dice with anybody. It showed last year. We won games in November without Jamar Chase. That was a big thing. And people are like, okay, you're like, oh, you know, Joe Burrow is, is so lucky. You got Jamar Chase. You got all the, you know, all these weapons and stuff like that. You take away Jamar Chase, like, oh, yeah, Joe Burrow mid. Joe Burrow not mid, bro. Joe Burrow. No, Joe Burrow not. went on ahead and won all those games and was one of the leading passes in the National Football League in the month of November last year. So you can go on ahead and talk all about that stuff, but you know, if you tell our, but if you tell our ops that they're going to think that Jamal was there the whole entire time. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent, man. That gets on my nerves. One hundred percent. Yep, the ops can stay on their side; they can stay under their trap, man. That's all. That's all to them. Fact. And I'm gonna say this: For real underlying story. Charlie Jones is gonna get released off IR this week. He will probably play in the football game. Maybe you get some Chuck Sizzle going. Maybe some Chuck Sizzle going. I don't know. So. I th- let me actually go back a little bit because yeah, here's why I will give the uh, the understanding announcement. If Ch- Jamar Chase were to set out a week, let him rest up. This kind of adds a little bit more to the Joe Burrow MVP conversation. You win this, you win this game against this hot sizzling quarterback, young pup. You know, coming in your house, you don't even have your top weapon, and you you start dominating like that, dude. That's number one. Another reason why you're going into MVP conversation, even though it's no secret that he already can do that. But number two is this. You saw it out of the Bills game. You're using your tight ends. Use that same formula a little bit more. 
I'm yes. not saying you got to use the exact same play designs and all that stuff, but yeah. you can use that formula of just throwing your, all your tight ends out there because at the end of the day, you got to see which one is going to rise to the top. And I'm glad you mentioned Dalton Schultz for um, C.J. Stroud with the Texans because that's exactly what I think Tanner Hudson could be for this Bengals team. Yeah, we're I'm sick and tired of comparing every single tight end potential to Travis Kelsey and Rob Gronkowski. Bro, the league has spoiled these. The They have spoiled the league so much that they feel like that you can find those guys anywhere and you can't. Nope. OK, but you can't find a Dalton Schultz somewhere. And we oh, might yeah. have that guy like a have Hayden Hurst, have Dalton Schultz because Tanner Hudson, bro. I know you watched that game Sunday night. And what what, I, what it tells me is that. If Tanner and T. Huddy, he plays like that, bro, he's going to start wheeling in some big-time catches down the stretch, and it's going to be important for us. I think you lean into that more instead of forcing Jamar Chase to play just because at the Sunday night game, I think he was more of a decoy than anything when he got hurt. He got doubled and you, everything, and he's on the field. Yeah, 100%. He still, he still stayed on the field and allowed T. Higgins to play one-on-one matchups like he did, and also Tyler Boyd, and, too. And Jamar had a 32-yard catch while he was hurt as well. Jamar, Bro, Jamar, it, it, yeah, Jamar, playing, Jamar playing injured is better than 85% of the league. It's crazy, but continue. It's so, it's, so, it's so amazing. It's so remarkable, man, to see Jamar Chase play. But I, I, I am okay if he needs to set out this game just to rest up and heal up his back. For starters, I got to put that injury on Joe Burrow because he did underthrow him. That should have been like a throw in stride or at least overthrow him instead it of underthrowing it. because It, it would have broke the game. Right there, Go yeah, the it certainly would have. It would it would have destroyed the game. That was a missed opportunity there, but we yeah. know Joe Burrow is fine. He's great at what he does. But oh, yeah. um, but I think that you lean more into rounding your passing game with using your tight ends more, and to let your receivers be the over complementary pieces above it, so that way you're not leaning always too heavy on your receiving trio. And then even though you got a dope, you got. You got a dope couple of guys in the chamber, like Charlie Jones, who should be coming back, and Andre Yoshivas, who should start seeing more snaps now because he's proven it, especially when he's caught two touchdowns against the 49ers and the Seahawks. He should start seeing more snaps. And I think we've understandably seen known that already now. But I also think that they found something. Uh, I think they found a niche with this tight end room, and I think that's probably why I'll be personally okay if Jamar is not able to go this week because he needs to rest up. It's, again, like you said, it's not overlooking Houston at all. We do not need to put ourselves in the position of overlooking teams because if you are going to lose this game against the Texans, uh, best believe we're probably going to lose on Thursday night, and that's just now two straight losses after talking so glowingly about this team that started going into 5-3. and three. Now you're 5-5, five and five and you got Pittsburgh coming into town. But let's yeah. wash all of that out and then win on Sunday even if it's not with your best receiving player in the game, yep. that's okay. We've mm -hmm. won games without a lot of our pieces before. Joe Burrow has won big-time pieces, um, big-time games without most of his weapons before. Yep. If C.J. Stroud can throw 470 yards and five touchdown passes, going against guys like – I mean, I don't even know who anybody else is on that secondary for the Bucs. I know Carlton Davis got hurt and that allowed him to rip that defense to shreds. Mm -hmm. But – Let's just be honest here. C.J. Stroud, again, they don't really have a ton of talent there in Houston. They have growing talent and potential pieces. But Tank Dell, he ain't rise to the top yet. He's a guy that we see that can be something later down the road, but he ain't there yet. This is still a very young Houston team. And if C.J. Stroud putting numbers up like that, you know damn well Joe Burrow should be able to do the same thing too. It ain't got to be the exact same crazy stat line, but this is to tell ourselves that 
He's not a Jamar Chase merchant. Okay. Yeah. He is a guy that can elevate those around him. He is that guy. He is a, is a reason why he's my unquestioned top three quarterback in the game. So I'll leave it at that for now, but I'll let you go ahead and continue on. I agree. I agree with all the things you said there, man. And I'm not going to give a pick on this game right now because it's so early in the week. But again, facts, facts. I don't th- I don't think the Bengals are going to, you know, I don't think the Bengals are going to overlook the Houston Texans is all I'm going to say. And if the Bengals are over the Houston Texans and the Bengals go out and do their thing, I think the Bengals will get a victory. So that's what I'll put out there at the moment. Now, we've been going on for a minute, but we've been doing a lot of good things with this show. Now, this one's interesting, okay? So looking at the stock, stock in the AFC, rise, hold, fall. Now, looking at the fall, I think we can agree on on five of these teams, I would say, on these five teams. Maybe we'll, you know maybe have a little bit of difference in an opinion on a couple of these other teams in, in the hold section, the fall team, the jets, I, the jets have a great defense, but that offense is the Achilles heel. No pun intended. It's not going, it, it's really not going to amount to anything if they can't do yeah. anything on offense, the stuff about Aaron Rodgers coming back week 16 or whatever. Why would you come back? Why? Because that offensive line is Horrible, and you awful, think that you go, you it's think you're terrible. gonna come back at 40 years old off of you know three months after an Achilles tear that it takes nine to 12 months to heal. Nine months is very, very lucky, but you think that that's gonna happen, and you're gonna be like, Man, I, I love coming to work, I'm gonna come out there with an offensive line that's probably gonna get me killed again. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So I, I the Jets defense is really good, but defense can only play well for so long, you feel me. Yeah, the, I get. The, I agree with that 100. Yeah. percent And I ain't gonna lie, if the Jets would have pulled off that victory on Monday night against the Chargers, you might convince me that Rodgers could come back before the yeah. season's over. Yeah. But yeah, after watching the old line just fall flat apart, and look, I know Zach Wilson's not good. I, he's awful, really, as a starting quarterback. But yeah, I wouldn't. I, yeah. I wouldn't bet against him. I doubt. And, yeah. And I'll bundle these next couple of teams with each other. The Colts, I think the Colts are four and five. Don't get me wrong, but the Colts are just too inconsistent. I, they're mm-hmm. too inconsistent of a team. I agree. You can see a good Gardner Minshew, but you can see a terrible Gardner Minshew the next week. And I just think a good Gardner Minshew might not even win you games. A terrible Gardner Minshew is definitely going to lose you games. So that's that's why I got them in there. The Titans, they got Will Levis. Will Levis hasn't really played that bad. I didn't, I didn't think he played bad against the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's just. There's going to be some rookie growing pains. They're going to try to throw the football a little bit more with Will Levis. I just think the rookie growing pains are going to be coming later on in the season while teams that they're going to be playing are going to be trying to get, you know, get hotter and get in full swing. Uh, so it, it's it's going to be difficult for them. I don't think they, they – I think they play the Jacks twice down the stretch. Like it, it, there's, there's a lot of tough games that the Titans play. Uh, you know, going forward the rest of the season. So I'm not going to lie to you, bro. I, I kind of like them at least one of those times against Jacksonville, I, I, depending yeah. on how Will Levis uh, comes out. Dude, that that arm strength just shows up on tape. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, it does. Like, there was a moment that I thought to myself, Will Levis can actually beat the Steelers, but then oh yeah, as prototypical Steelers, ugly winning fashion. Man, you make the game yeah. sloppy, ugly, and then yep. you take a touchdown lately in the fourth quarter, and then you do let the defense close it out, and that's how they won. So yeah. that they just got caught in that web of trap that everybody else that played the Steelers and lost got caught in. So, yeah. But kind of 
Yeah, it's the thing about well, the, I don't know what to do with this team and then with this yeah. kid. Like I sold my stock on his Titans a long time ago because I never believed in them in the team. But that was with Ryan Tannehill a quarterback because it was That's just true. like they were telling themselves that they weren't rebuilding when they are in fact rebuilding. Well, I think Will Levis is showing something here. Now I'm gonna be honest. Okay. If they would have pulled off that win, they late come from behind it's, win it's against different. Pittsburgh. It's, it's different. It's, it's different. a different feel. It's different. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. But I just think that they just need us to see what they got in the kid because yeah. there can be a chance where he can show that he's overconfident in his arm strength and it can get him in trouble. And I'm not even gonna say it's like like plummeting. I think it's more like a you know like a like a very skinny downward you know what i'm saying like it's it's not a it's not a plummeting in stock it's just kind of slower downhill type thing where it's like they, they're they the win. team yep i'm about to say let me say this. they're the team that if it goes right for them down the stretch they won't make the playoffs but they'll be spoilers for the other teams in the afc that's trying to get to the playoffs yes down the stretch too perfect do you like perfect. that do you like perfect. that better I, I like that for perfect. them Yes, I agree with that. And then the other two teams, the Broncos have played better. Don't get me wrong. They have. They won two games in a row, beat the Chiefs and everything. But again, like they, they have some games they could win down the stretch, but I I, I still don't. I think they'll be better, no, I'm but, but I, I'm not buying them. And then the Patriots. Yeah. Oh, yes. yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. Um, then I'm looking at the hold market. <sighs> sounds sounds kind of silly. Miami, hold, because they do this every year. That they're doing it differently on offense, but you know they obviously have Xavier Howard and, and Jalen Ramsey on defense, and Bradley Chubb rushing the passer. I'm holding on them because I haven't seen anything different. They started yeah. off good before. They, I'm just gonna hold. I'm gonna hold it real quick. That's all. That's like, a per, that's a perfect uh, that's a perfect spot for them too. Because yeah. I also mentioned they haven't beaten a team with an above 500 record yet. That, I think that's to, that's what says it all. Yep. I, I will hold it just to see what I have in the rest of the way in this team because right now. If you ask a lot of big timers that in the national media, they're selling their stock on Miami, calling them frauds and stuff. I ain't there yet, but I'm I'm holding it to see if they can they can get their mojo back again. Something yeah. tells me that they could, but I don't know. I'm not willing to buy that stock yet. And a, a lot of other a lot of other uh, you know people would say that you know they might be down on the Bills. I don't know how you feel about them. I'm holding it still because they have some they have some games they can win. Don't get me wrong. They got yeah. the Broncos and Jets coming up. They have games they can win. They get the 7 and 4 before the Eagles game. But yeah, which is actually kind of crazy thing. But I'm still holding it. I'm still holding on the on the Bills like the, these next couple of weeks. It me too. Maybe it's a different story. Start of December, who knows. But I'm going to hold Buffalo real quick. So, I do I got you and I think the two pivotal games for them now is at Philly, and then they're going to a bye, and then at Kansas City coming out of oh, their bye. Oh, my gosh. They yeah. got to win mean, one of those games. They have, have to. to win one of those games if they want to get back in the swing of things. And yep. the game that they should ideally look for to win is probably the Chiefs game because yep. they're coming out of their bye. They might get a guy or two back from injury. Yep. Who knows how that's going to go. But you kind of think that Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense may figure it out by then, too. So, that's not again, when it comes. Yeah. It's the perfect time to hold the bills for now just to see what do yeah. you have the rest of the way up until that point. Hold them for now. I'm actually going to say hold the Vegas Raiders, actually, because, again, they're buying under the, the, the looks of Antonio Pierce. You know, either they played the Giants. Don't get me wrong. It's, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's the New York Giants. They're, they're, they're a mess. They play the other New York team this week. They, they beat them. It's their five and five. I mean, it's it, the, the wild card race is open. I mean, 
They're five and five, man. There's a chance. There really is a chance. Aiden O'Connell, I mean, I, I people have different opinions about Aiden O'Connell. I really don't think Aiden O'Connell is that bad. I, I thought he was fine in college, nah, but you know, I thought we should have drafted him and as our backup quarterback. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I was thinking too. So I, 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 I'm just gonna hold the Raiders and I'm also holding the Chargers because the Chargers are four and four at the moment. A lot of other stuff mm-hmm. going on with them because the the Chargers they, they they're honestly now the epitome of nine and eight. So, you know, nine and eight, eight and nine. That's what it feels like for me, too. I didn't put the Raiders on the whole list. Personally, I know this is your thing. Um, Personally, for me with the Chargers, I I think the hold does feel right for them, how you got them. I think it's a great landing zone for them. But it just feels like at some point you're ready to sell. And it's just like at some point, dude, you're just not you just you guys just don't have it. And Mm -hmm. I don't care how high you think of Justin Herbert all the excuses you keep laying out for him. We mentioned that earlier in our top 10 list. Yep. At some point, man, you're just not going to figure it out at this point. And I, I think that it's a hole for now with the thought process that maybe we're just going to sell it because I don't see it changing yeah. anytime soon. But what could be the turning point is if they can pull off a game against another top flight opponent like Baltimore, you got, got Kansas the, City to end your season. I'm not Detroit worried about this if, week. Yeah, Detroit. Yeah, Detroit this week um, at home. Yeah, yeah. If, but if they lose against Detroit, it's all but done for them. If for me at this point, stick a fork in you. You got to try again next year. There's no way in hell you're catching Kansas City or even alone, let alone the, a playoff wild card spot at this point because you're just yeah. too behind the eight ball. The the, the downfall that people are thinking that the Bengals they was gonna have with the Bengals to start the season is literally happening to the Chargers right yep. now. So that's what I'm. That's another thing that I'm basing it off of. But again, they can they can rewrite the ship. But you yep. got to win this week against the the, um, the Lions. You got to win a couple of games between your other big time foes that you got to go against at some point in the playoffs, potentially if you even get there. And that's the Ravens, and that's also the um, the Chiefs. Yeah, I don't really care about the the Broncos or the Raiders. That doesn't do nothing for me, even though they got to prove they can beat those teams too. But I don't. That doesn't move the needle for me at all. It's those three games for me personally with the Chargers. Yep. And I'll say this, the four rise teams, we agree, I believe. Chiefs, Ravens, Jags, Bengals. I think those are the top four teams that were, like, competent. You feel me? Like, the Chiefs, done it before. Been there, done that multiple times. The Ravens look really, really good at the moment. Lamar Jackson on the field, they can win football games. Trevor Lawrence has won big games before, not as many as the other quarterback, Joe Burrow. He's won big games, a lot of big games. So that's for the four. You might be thinking of who we're missing. The two teams we're missing at this moment right now are some of our ops, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns. The Pittsburgh Steelers and Cleveland Browns are are carbon copies of each other. They are the same team. They are the same team. And here's what I have to say about this. The Cleveland Browns are a better team than the Pittsburgh Steelers, in my opinion. They have a better roster than them. But the Cleveland Browns shoot themselves in the foot too many times. We've seen the Cleveland Browns play some great defense. They play a fourth-place schedule. I'm not going to punish them for playing a fourth-place schedule, but you play a fourth-place schedule because you finished fourth place. Now, here's the thing. They gave up 38 points to Gardner Minshew in the Colts. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that, you know, it's going to happen every week because it hasn't happened every week because they, they played really good against some teams. But I'm going to say this. When you're looking at the Chiefs, I mean – Patrick Mahomes, the healthy Patrick Mahomes, get out the pocket. He can make plays. I don't care who the receivers are. Travis Kelsey there is, you know what I'm saying? It's it's going to be tough for Cleveland. 
Baltimore has done that to Cleveland in Cleveland's house. They played this week. We'll see what happens. And Jacksonville Baltimore. in Baltimore, to say the least. Jacksonville, they play Jacksonville week 14 this year. If Jacksonville protects Trevor Lawrence and Trevor Lawrence on point, there you go. Because the Browns play one of the, the most man-to-man in the league. And if your guys can beat their guys, you can protect the quarterback, you can you can easily beat the Browns. I'm I'm not even trying to say that lightly. And I'm not going to like be critical like that. You can easily beat the Browns. It's easier said than done to protect your quarterback against Miles Garrett in that pass rush. But if your guys win the matchups and protect the quarterback, you can you can 30 piece them. They, you know, one of the best defense in the league. I don't care. Bengals, healthy Bengals against the Browns team like that. Browns team had our number. Don't get me wrong. But healthy Bengals, we've seen it before. They can beat the Cleveland Browns. They can. Now, the thing with them is, you know, it, it again is just shooting themselves in the foot, especially on offense. They have a great run game. They really do. But if you stop the run game, I mean, what are they? You know, we don't know about Deshaun Watson. Still, we still don't know. He's like 500 as a quarterback and everything. But it's crazy, we, man. We don't know, and that's a problem. That's a big problem. But you know, I, I still think there's a chance they make the playoffs. I think, I, I honestly, I think they might make the playoffs this year. And you know, but if they have to run into a Miami or if they have to run into a KC or Baltimore in the first round, it, it's gonna be it. It's gonna be tough. You know, I'm saying it's gonna be tough for them. Pittsburgh. Okay, Pittsburgh. And I'm kind of holding back a little bit with Cleveland because Cleveland did beat us week one. But, you know, they, they caught us they caught us at, like, the absolute worst time possible. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, you know, I'm not even going to give an analogy for that because it, it might get crazy. But Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, man. The epitome of 9 and 8 as well. But I'm going to say this. People are not going to like this, but I don't give a shit. The Pittsburgh Steelers are not a good football team. They're not. Like they're not they're not at all. I, I mean, not. I mean, like, damn, bro. Like you hit the magic number of 21 points on this team. They're not winning. They're not. Like it's it's insane because they have no offense. You seen CJ Stroud, who we played this Sunday, torched a defense, torched yep. them completely. Mm-hmm. If you get ahead of the eight ball against the Pittsburgh Steelers, you're going to tell me I'm going to stand on the other side and be like, oh, my gosh, Kenny Pickett scares me. No. no. And, and that's the thing no. about both of these teams, the Browns and the Steelers. And I have already mentioned it earlier in the show before regarding Pittsburgh is that they get away with winning games by keeping it close and making it like AFC North style football. And then next thing you know, late in the fourth quarter, they take a last, they take like a last few minute lead. And then the defense just closes it out. And against these other teams who are playing below average football, you might see them do that again and win again against the Green Bay Packers. They're at home and they yeah. might do that against a Jordan Love who really doesn't have much juice like that to be to his game, to be honest. So it may just happen again. And this is going to be another storyline of, oh, Mike Tomlin finds a way to win again. Or really, is it that the teams that they're playing just are worse than them and they just happen to get away with it at the right times? Mm-hmm. Both the Browns and the Steelers. I kind of do agree with your premise regarding Cleveland that they could be a playoff team this year. They might get a seven seed. But I tend to think to myself that, yes, I respect your defenses, both teams. You got two of the best defense defenders in the game, run up, you know, front runners for defensive player of the year, and both Miles Garrett and TJ Watt. 
But, man, that is not sustainable when you're going against greater football teams. You're going to run into those trap doors. Again, for Pittsburgh, they still got to see dates. They got dates against us, too, twice. They got a date with the Baltimore Ravens to end the season. That's not good. They got to see the Cleveland Browns again. That's not good. So they still got their whole entire landscape of the AFC North. They did manage to squeak by the NFC West with a win here and a win there. But they I got Seattle that, week 17. They got Seattle week they 17. They do got well. Seattle week 17. And they got to pick it up, though. They, Seattle may have to – they might be playing for something. You know, what? whoever knows, playoff spot or whatever. But I tend to believe Seattle that week. Now, I don't think they played the Cardinals yet, but I tend to believe they'll just wipe the floor with the Cardinals. Wait a minute. I don't know. Kyler Murray is coming back now this week. So who knows what's going to happen with them. And they already lost to, you know, other teams like the Jaguars and stuff like that. I just think that for at some point, yeah, they have nine and eight, eight and I ran all over them, but I just don't buy into them. And the same with the Cleveland Browns. Again, they're taking time bomb away from beating themselves. It is the perfect hold the stock, but be ready to sell when they start to lose again. And I think that's really coming. For Cleveland, it may just be this week. Um, I won't be surprised if they do beat the Ravens, but I'm not about to bet against that. So not with the way the Ravens play. Like it may be just it may literally be this week. And next thing you know, here comes the the rumblings of okay, now they're losing this game. Now I see at least three more losses for both of those teams, at least three more ales for both of those teams, which will still land them at six losses in total to the current record now. But Again, it's like pulling teeth to try to convince me that they're they're a serious contender at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to wrap this up for Bengals fans, because we haven't gone on for a minute, but we have been making like a five course meal. Um, the thing about this is if the Bengals take care of business, we don't give a damn what the rest of these teams do because nice. they got to play us. That's all mm-hmm. I got to say. Justin, anything before we get on out of here? No, nah, man, other than, you know. Big time game coming up. Yep. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing CJ Stroud in the jungle, man. I'm looking forward to it. So, Stroud Burrow, it's like the young pup versus the Burrow. He, it's almost like he just got old quick in this game, didn't he? <laughs> he did. It feels like it. it definitely yeah. feels like it, man. Why yeah. is beyond this yeah. year? Is what they say. He really is, and I'm. This is going to be. This should be the makings of a fun shootout kind of like atmosphere game, but. I do believe in the Cincinnati Bengals. They haven't shown you that you need to just start selling your stock into them while their stock is high right now. If anything, you need to buy more stock for real. But that's that's my personal parting shots that I have for the for the audience here. And it was just another great show of us just frying up the frying up the space. Got that right. And, you know, obviously you can catch Justin over there on the Running Through the Jungle podcast. They're doing some great things over there. Go over there, show them some love on all the platforms possible. But for that being said, we'll see you guys next week, hopefully after a Bengals victory. Who day?